And good to see you. How cool to come on Monday night. That's radical. You know, it's last day's church when you're, uh, I believe there'll be little stitches on your robe when we get to heaven that you, uh, contrasting stitching, showing you went on Wednesday nights, Monday nights, Tuesday nights. People will look at your robe and go, wow, you were, you were the real deal. <laughs> Not, not just every once in a while, but man, we hunger for His Word. We, uh, when we hear His Word, it changes us. You can't remain the same uh, being around the Word of God. The incorruptible seed, when it's sown, it grows up and it becomes. So you know, you don't even have to figure it out. Just sow it. <laughs> you know what I mean? If we had to completely figure out seed time and harvest and go to you know, physics school or, or seed school or whatever, you don't have to. You can just know if you do it. If you want to change the course of your life, use your tongue. And that's what we heard from Brother Hagin over and over and over. And I used to think, bless his heart, that's all he knows. But you know what? After a while, once you hear that, it gets in you. You have what you say. To the point of, of almost amazing how everything that happens in your life is a byproduct of either authorization or seed time and harvest. And you can sow some seeds with your mouth, man. You can sow some seeds and go, I'm, I'm blessed, I'm overcoming. I trust in the Lord with all my heart, lean not to my own understandings. In all my ways I acknowledge Him. He directs my path, and His pathway there is light, and there is no darkness at all. I hearken to the voice of the Lord, stranger's voice I do not follow. You know what happens is, you confess those verses, they come to pass. So you know what? I hearken to the voice of the Lord. Stranger's voice I do not follow. Amen. You know, we, we got into all this. There's so much to get into about end times. It's just amazing. And that's not the only thing that I preach on. There's two things the Bible says don't be misinformed about. Number one, the coming of the Lord. Number two, gifts of the Spirit. So almost every church I went to for 25 years, gifts of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit. Not just a knowledge of gifts of the Spirit, but power flowing through you, not just to you. So why would the Lord say that? Because right here before the coming of the Lord, we'll have an outflow mentality. So He wants you to know what time it is, so you'll act differently. You'd be kinder and sweeter. I would think if the Lord was coming tomorrow, you'd go to bed tonight being sweet to people. Am I in the right room? Come on. I think I missed a turn somewhere. We are in the right room, right? This, <laughs> this is where we're supposed to be tonight. Did I, we didn't miss something. but No, it's just we're, we're blessed to be a part of that generation that God says is going to have an overflow to their life that you're going to be a tributary and you're going to be a vessel. Hallelujah. Amen. And we've learned through using Mark eleven twenty three. 23. I've said it here before. The Lord dealt with me about that years ago. And he said, you'll notice Jesus used his faith for, for figs, for desserts, curse the fig tree. <laughs> and then he used it for obstacles, mountains. He said you can use it for obstacles. And then he said you can use it for your desires. So two-thirds of your faith was just for dessert and desires, figs and desires. Two-thirds, only one-third of your faith was for mountain moving. You don't, even, you don't even need all your faith to move a mountain. He said if you had faith as a seed, you'd say, plant what you have, and it'll grow up and it'll become. You know, the hotel I'm in, I'm on the third floor. I mean, I've done it many times. You know, you walk into the hotel, and you get on the elevator, and you stand there on the first floor, and it's kind of do-do-do-do-do-do. Well, I'm on the first floor. I'm going to stay on the first floor. And everybody tells you, well, you've got to call it like it is. You're right. I'm on the first floor, or you're going to stay on the first floor. You've got to call for the floor you want. I called for the third floor, and I went up to the third floor. Just like at your house. How many of you walk in your house and go, it's 85, i got to take it, i got to say it like it is. No, you turn your thermostat to cooler so you enjoy your house, right? So you call for what you want. Well, there's a reason why we've heard the Word. There's a reason why that's been imparted to us so that we'll have a dominion mentality and we can create change with our words. Because God has a flavor He wants just before the coming of the Lord. It's victory, it's joy, it's mercy, it's kindness. Every facet of Jesus. This is what He wants out of all of our lives. Resurrection. He wants people to get around us and go, Man, Jesus had to be raised from the dead. Come on, how cool is that? Because He loves you. Amen? So last night, what did we get into? Uh, we didn't do seven senses of fire last night, did we? We didn't do that, did we? Okay, we got into the rapture of the church, you know, a lot of weird teaching on the rapture, you know, even people I know, word people going, well, there's no such thing as a rapture. Well, tell Enoch that, tell Elijah that, tell Jesus that, and tell the church that, because we're going to be caught up. We shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. How wild is that going to be to all of a sudden know that it's just about to happen and go, during that three-day period of Feast of Trumpets we got into last night, we're going to be walking around going, hmm, I sense something unusual about this Feast of Trumpets. And that is all of a sudden this mortal is going to put on immortality. And I don't, know how, I don't know how big a shout you're going to have. But man, when I hear that trumpet, there's going to be a shout come out of me like, Dear Lord, uh, we're about to see the King. Wow. Amen. So we'll, we'll go to the, the, the heavenly uh, uh, Jerusalem, sides of the north, the city of the great King, Mount Zion. Hallelujah. 
Amen. So what a future for us. And then, then you find out that we're about to be raptured, and then we're not done. It's not like we're going to be walking around like zombies. No, we have, we're going to come back, and for a thousand years, we're going to reign. We're going to get in that tonight. You, you have a wonderful future, great things ahead for your life, wonderful things, joyful things, supernatural expectations. So in the service before that, we got into the signs of the coming of the Lord. I know we got into it a little bit each night, but aren't we blessed to have all of them right in front of us? I mean, think about it, man. You, <laughs> you, I, hear, I hear people say this. They go, well, how can you tell how long a generation is? Because they're trying to wiggle out of the fact that it might actually be us that are the last generation. Well, I said, you know, in the Old Testament, it was 40 years. <laughs> in our lifetime, it's the lifespan of a man. But if you want to get technical, in Matthew, it said these were the generations between Adam and Jesus, and it was 55 years. So however you do the math, it's us. So I'm not looking for reasons not to obey God. I'm looking for reasons to obey God. Yeah. Because this is a serious deal. Now, I don't really preach this, and I don't think I've ever even said this publicly, but I'm going to say it. In Zechariah 13, the Bible talks about Israel is going to have another holocaust. Two-thirds of them will come through the fire. Only one-third is going to make it. You know how many people live in Israel right now? You know how many Jews live there? Nine million. So six million Jews are about to get killed, just like in World War II. Hitler killed six million Jews. It's a very sobering thing to think that uh, uh, what's coming on the earth, <laughs> that Jesus said if the tribulation wasn't shortened, nobody would have made it through that. So, so there's some real ominous times coming for the earth. It'll make the COVID look like Mickey Mouse. I mean, I'm not trying to downplay COVID. I'm just trying to upplay that we're blessed that we don't have to be here during that horrific time called the tribulation period. Now, hopefully last night we showed how that was old covenant time, how Gabriel told Daniel it was for the Jews and for the holy city. It has nothing to do with the church. Remember Jesus uh, uh, so completely skipped over the church age. <laughs> and uh, you think about it, they wanted a kingdom. And Peter's like, you know, I, I want you to set up your millennial kingdom. They came to get Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and Peter cut that guy's ear off. Because they're thinking he's setting up kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. So they didn't even know about the 2,000-year church age. But there's a few clues. You know, the Good Samaritan, he said, uh, go put him up. After two days, I'll come back for him. 2,000 years, two days. I'll pay for whatever he spent. He said, you tell Herod, I do cures today and tomorrow. The third day, I'll be perfected. When Lazarus was raised up, how long did he wait to go raise him up? Two days. So there's something about 2,000 years. So if you want to get really freaky, you got 6,000 years of human history. 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham. 2,000 years from Abraham to the first coming of the Lord, 2,000 years from the first coming to the second coming. Now, last night when I got, oh, I can't believe we're getting into all this, but let's just do it before we even pray. <laughs> when, when Gabriel counted when Jesus was going to come, he didn't count zero A.D. You'd think you'd go, okay, Jesus is going to come and it's going to be zero. No, Gabriel counted 30 A.D. when he rode in triumphantly into Jerusalem. So add 2,000 years to 30 A.D., what do you got? 2030 Take seven or eight years away from that. you got 2022, 2033. Um, you, you give me the date we're going to be raptured? No, I'm just telling you, you might want to be paying attention the next few years. Yeah. I think I'll do Elvis. Praise the Lord. Is everybody glad they came? I'm sensing, yeah. I'm sensing a, a little bit of an unusualness. Let's get into this. Because, you know, the devil hates uh, 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 the Lord so much that he wants to assassinate his character. And the Lord is so good. And especially in times, people have thought over the years it got such a bad rap. There is no bad news for us. Now, I want to say that. If you're watching TV in the next few weeks, in times by someone, if it scares you, it's not Bible. For the church, there, there is no bad news. Men will be lovers themselves. We know that. Uh, there will be perilous times. But as far as the other stuff, there's nothing. There's, no, there's nothing for us other than joy. He said, don't be troubled. Don't be deceived. I want you happy, hopeful, and I want you comforted. So we just have, we have nothing but exciting things ahead that we should just be giddy about. So grab your Bibles, and you just turn wherever you think you ought to turn. We'll see if you're flowing. Come on. Anybody get Luke? Let's go there. Lord, thank you for uh, bringing such a wild group on Monday night. Thank you for, for, for revelation tonight into your plan. We thank you for insight into your plan. Lord, we, we're so appreciative of your blood. Thank you for dying for us. We, we magnify the resurrection now as we get into the word tonight. Help us display the resurrection. Help us display that death could not hold you down. We thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your mercy. And we thank you for a spirit and an attitude of boldness to do your will, to walk with you in the last days, for every person in this room to be a voice. And just as you told Enoch to prophesy that he's coming back, may the believers uh, right here before the coming of the Lord have a, an attitude of prophesying that Jesus is coming back. We thank you for it, Lord. We give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said amen. 
Go quickly to Luke 21, because I want to move forward a lot tonight. We're going to buzz into the second coming for a little bit, and we'll buzz into the millennium. You don't hear a lot of preaching on the millennium, but it's really cool, because it, it shows us what the climate will be like. It shows us what we're going to be looking forward to. And then it starts showing us what our jobs will be. There's something about finding out what your future is that makes you really plug in right now and see why God's invested so much in this generation. Reason being is... I know His character through His Word. I don't have to feel what the Lord senses. His Word tells me what He's like. So isn't that amazing? During that thousand years, Jesus may be in Jerusalem. You may be in Iowa. You know exactly what the Lord wants to do on the earth because you know His Word. We know His character. So look at Luke 21. Grab your Bibles there. Look at Luke 21, verse 24. We've gotten into this every service, but let's just briefly get into it for a couple minutes of review. They'll fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And we talked about that last night. In 70 A.D., uh, Jerusalem was overthrown and, uh, and Jerusalem was won back in 1967. Amazing. So if you'll notice in 1917, uh, Allenby flew into Jerusalem. Same year Kenneth Hagin was born. We talked about that last night. But in 1917, Allenby flies into Israel in a biplane. They didn't even know that it, what his name meant. They passed out flyers. Allenby's coming. Allenby's coming. Allenby's coming. An Australian general. Well, in Arabic, his name meant a prophet sent from God to deliver you your land. So the Turks dropped their weapons. Israel got their land back in 1917. And they got the Balfour Declaration from England. We'll go one jubilee. What's one jubilee later? Fifty years later, what happened? Jerusalem was won back. So you're, you're coming out of a hundred years of destiny being fulfilled. Almost every 20 years, something radical happens. You had 1948. What happened? Israel's reestablished as a nation. What did you have in the church? Healing revival. There were so many miracles in the healing revival. Raymond T. Ritchie in Tulsa, Oklahoma, they had to haul away the wheelchairs and flatbed trucks. He's an evangelist that people don't even know about. Have you ever been to a service where they had to bring flatbed trucks to haul the wheelchairs away? That's a lot of miracles. I mean, they were kind of crazy. Uh, we talk about A.A. Allen. A.A. Allen, he'd go, look at this man. The devil's all over him. And they would introduce A.A. Allen, uh, God's man of faith and power. Tonight, the big night under the big tent, he's going to be preaching the gospel. So it was like showtime, go time. But they didn't know the word like you know the word, but they did know this. Jesus is miraculous. Jesus is the same. Jesus has not changed. And that's why, like, if I could preach on what I wanted to preach on tonight, I'd preach on the name of Jesus. Because His name brings the same results as Him personally being there. That's why they threatened Him, said, don't preach anymore in that name. It's so they couldn't kill Him. They couldn't kill Him. He gave His life. But His name means miracle. His name means divine intervention in the ordinary course of nature. A suspension of the accustomed order. When you say Jesus, ooh, mm, mm, I might even do a little bit of Elvis Presley for you. Come on. So here, uh, destiny, the last hundred years. Go down to verse 29. He spake to them a parable. He said, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth or bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is night hand. So then likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Remember, he's saying this so we can know when the kingdom of God's about to be exposed. And then the next verse he tells you. Next verse, 32. Verily I say unto you, this generation will not pass away till all is fulfilled. So uh, we're just a very unusually specialized generation. 1967, when Jerusalem was won back, what did you have in the church? Charismatic renewal. So every time something happened in the church, Israel, some, there was a reciprocal move in the church. 1907, Chaim Wiseman invented TNT. It helped the British government win World War I. They said, what do you want? He said, I want a homeland for my people. What happened in the church in 1907? The Azusa Revival. And then we moved forward to 1917, 1948. Then you get to 1967, charismatic renewal. All of us, all of a sudden, all of a sudden my mother out of nowhere goes, I think I need to get baptized in the Holy Ghost, 1970. And next thing you know, we, we moved out of a denominational church, started having church everywhere, and started having church every night. I thought my mom had lost her mind. We had service every single night, like 70 through 74. I'm like, Mom, it's Tuesday. Mom, it's Wednesday. Mom, it's Thursday. That's right, we're going to church. And we wouldn't go to 8 o'clock. We'd stay there till midnight every night. There's something about being in those things that it gets in you. So here, you've been here on Monday night, man. You're going to get a deposit. 
there'll be a deposit put in you of strength that you'll find yourself in the next few weeks going, I don't even understand why I'm thinking this way. I'll tell you why you're thinking this way. The king is in you. The conqueror's in you. The victor's in you. There is no such thing as a victim in the believer. Oh, it's so ridiculous it makes me laugh to even try to be a victim. Jesus is so strong, he had to go for four weeks without, 40 days without food just so he could even be tempted by the devil. He's so strong. I go six hours without food, and I'm kind of freaking out. <laughs> Jesus had to go 40 days to even get to a place where he could be weakened enough to even be tempted because he's so stinking strong. Hallelujah. Okay, so we have all those signs about the coming of the Lord. You've got the Hebrew language restored, Ethiopian Jews brought back, fertility of the land of Israel, revival of the Roman Empire, all these things, predatory birds, fish in the Dead Sea, uh, foxes on the Temple Mount, that's Lamentations 5.18. Ritual baths around the temple, filling up with water. Tangible, physical things that are going, Jesus is coming. All the, the rabbis are like, the Messiah is about to come. Sad thing is, is they're going to think that the Antichrist is the Messiah. It's going to be kind of an uh-oh moment midway through the trib. But man, there's this, this calls going out from people that never talked about it. They're like, Jesus is about to come. You've got secular newspapers writing about what Turkey's doing and writing about Turkey and Iran aligning themselves to surround Israel to annihilate Israel. So when you've got secular magazines picking up on it, secular newspapers going, there were foxes on the Temple Mount quoting Lamentations 5.18. Now, Israel's a very secular country. It'd be like uh, way more secular than even America. We think when we go to Israel, everybody's on fire for God. No, way more people don't even know the Lord in Israel. But to have them have a, a liberal newspaper talk about the coming of the Messiah is wild. What if next week the New York Times said, Jesus is about to come? What if next week the Washington Post said, Jesus is about to come? You go, wow, this is wild. That's what's happening in Israel right now. They're all saying the Messiah. Why are they saying the Messiah has to come? Because event after event after event after event that God said would happen, it's happened in their lifetime. So they have enough brains to go, there's a change coming. Hallelujah. So, man, the change that's coming, we'll get into it tonight. Go over to Matthew 24, grab your Bibles there, and let's run over there, and then we'll get into the music part portion of, of the message. That's just a joke, praise the Lord. <laughs> now, if I go to singing, you might want to take off running. <laughs> Run for your life, all right? So let's look at the next event. We're going to combine a couple events so we can get into the millennium. But the, the next event for, for the earth, we know the church is going to be raptured. We know there's a, a, the seven-year tribulation period. At the rapture, we go up to meet Jesus in the air. At the second coming of the Lord, He physically comes to the earth and we come back with Him. So the next event for our lives after the rapture and the marriage supper of the Lamb and all that stuff is the second coming of the Lord. This is the big event. Almost every time when you hold the, heard the Holy Spirit speak in the book of Acts, Peter got up and said, this same Jesus which you killed, he, he, God raised Him from the dead and... God raised him from the dead, and he's coming back again. So it's the theme of the book, the king's coming back. You can get different pictures of it in Zechariah. Zechariah is probably the coolest one because it has people's faces melting at the second coming. Remember, that's from Raiders of the Lost Ark. How cool to have a movie where they could depict what was going to happen. So that's a great depiction of it. Isaiah has a bunch of depictions of it. Uh, Malachi says he's coming back with healing in his wings. Joel was so freaked out, he said, sound an alarm. Wow, God's coming to the planet. The Creator, the one that spanned the heavens out, is going to come back and live here for a thousand years and going to reign from Jerusalem forever. So look at Matthew 24. Grab your Bibles there. Look at Matthew 24 and look at verse number 27. Jesus is going to show us this in clarity. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So I said it before, I've never seen lightning that was casual. Uh, lightning will kind of get your attention. So this is going to be how dramatic his entrance will be into the earth. Zechariah says it's going to be a day that's not known to man. It's neither night nor day. All of a sudden the, the heavens are going to unfold. The stars are not going to give their light. The sun's, sun's not going to shine. And there's going to come a beam of light coming out of heaven. And you're going to be right there behind that beam of light. And the king's going to have entrance into the earth. And I'm telling you what, nature's going to bow. <laughs> Humans are going to bow. The heavens are going to bow. The stars are going to bow in adoration to the entrance of the King, Jesus of Nazareth. Wow. 
So let's go a little further. He says in verse 29, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with great power and great glory. Now this is all second coming. All of the Gospels only speak of the second coming, not the rapture. So then go down a little further. He gives you the climate in verse 38. For as the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So how crazy is this? Man's going to have a seven-year period of fireworks and still wants to marry, be given in marriage, and it'll catch them off guard the second coming. They're going to have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to have a heads up, and yet they're not going to have their heads up. They're caught off guard. I mean, just like Methuselah, we know what Methuselah means. His death brings. His death brings judgment. Uh, he was a walking timepiece in the Old Covenant. And remember the very year? What happened the year Methuselah died? The flood came. So they could look at him and go, it's getting closer and closer. Longest living man ever in history. I would have been checking up on Methuselah. How are you feeling? You doing okay, buddy? How's your pantry? You got food? Well, you know, the crazy thing was they saw Noah preach like a wild man. I think, think of Noah's preaching. I, I wonder if Noah preached on, on leadership from the ark. I wonder if he preached on the miraculous from the ark. I wonder if he preached on, uh, I, I bet his tone was so filled with urgency. Wow. But you know what? All of a sudden, something supernatural happened. The animals started lining up. Man, I can't even get my dog to jump in my truck, much less getting animals to jump on a boat. Could you imagine having animals line up to go on a boat? Like herding cats. How are you going to do that? Supernatural. Man, that would have told me something. Like, something's up. Yeah, something's up. There's a change coming. So we see change came, and Jesus compared the time just like to the days of Noah. Even though there's all these opportunities for people to be aware of it, they have a tendency not to be aware of it. That's why we're called to be wilder preachers than ever before. John Wesley said, let God set you on fire, people will come watch you burn. That's why I have a fire pack out there. It has a guarantee to set you on fire. It's got matches in there, so if the Word doesn't get you, you can set yourself on fire. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, here we go. Let's go a little further. Here we go. All right, look at the next verse there. They knew, verse 39, knew not till the flood came, took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken and the other left. So this is going to help us comprehend the millennium a little bit better because it shows you at the second coming, 50% of the people will have gotten born again and in their natural bodies will enter into the millennial reign of Christ. And at the second coming, the wicked are taken off the earth. And Jesus explains it here in a minute. He said, enter into the kingdom that was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So the earth starts out the millennial reign of Christ with these natural people that are born again and the wicked are taken off the earth. And it starts with perfect righteousness. This is the opposite of the rapture. At the rapture, the righteous go up. At the second coming, the wicked go up. Remember Jesus said, I'll let the wheat grow with the tares. And at the end of the age, the angels will be the reapers. So what he's going to do, the people that are saved are going to go right there to Israel. And, and Jesus is going to do what's called the sheep and goat judgment. He's going to judge them based on how they treated Jesus' brethren, the Jews. So watch what he says. This is, this is a lot of stuff going on here, but it gets you set up for what your future is going to be because you're going to be reigning over these natural people that have a tendency to make mistakes just like they do now. That's why the Bible says Jesus has to rule with a rod of iron because those natural people will have the seed of Adam in them. And sometimes people with the seed of Adam in them uh, make mistakes <laughs> and aren't flawless. All right, let's go a little further. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Come on, start the car. I'll be right there. Here we go. Look at Matthew 25. We're getting closer. Matthew 25. Let's run down to verse 32 or verse 31. And when the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He shall sit upon the throne of His glory. And before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He'll separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. He'll set the sheep on His right hand, the goats on His left. And He says, Then the King shall say unto them, Come, ye blessed of my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So we see uh, Jesus getting the earth ready for this natural, physical reign where Israel will be the head of all nations for a thousand years. be wonderful. So we see change. Go to Revelation real quick because I want to get to the millennium. It's just taking me a little while to get there, but go to Revelation. You know these verses, but they're so good. Remember John Osteen said, you can tell when you've gotten a hold of a verse when you want to hear it over and over and over again. How many are you still glad you came tonight? How many are you glad you're here and you're not in jail? Come on, praise the Lord. 
All right. It's good to be in church, not jail. Hallelujah. Look at, look at the Revelation 19. We know these verses, but they're good to rehearse before we get to the millennium. Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. His name's called the Word of God. Wow. The armies which are with him in heaven, that's us, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth will go a sharp sword that he smite the nations, and he'll rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Wow. You know, we, we talk about the goodness of God, the mercy of God, but all of a sudden we see him as uh, the king here. Wow. Inheriting this kingdom that he has dominion over forever. <laughs> Glory to God. So that's pretty dramatic. You can't get much more dramatic than that. I mean, it's going to be at the Mount of Olives. The Bible says all of a sudden right there at the second coming, there's an earthquake and the temple goes up a couple hundred feet or so. And the waters come from the Dead Sea and come right by the throne and get near Jesus. And it quickens all the waters in the earth. Jesus has so much life in him, the water just gets close to him and it comes alive. Hallelujah. You know what, what's cool about it? Is he's not close to you. He's in you. Glory to God. You have a substance on the inside of you uh, that we used to sing a song about. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors. Sets captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Hallelujah. Amen. That's reality. You know what the cool thing? We're going to get to heaven. We're going to be raptured. We're going to go there. And all of a sudden, you'll, you'll see that right now you're a fire from the loins up and a fire from the loins down. That's what you really look like. You're radiating the glory of God. Woo, glory to God. Amen. All right, grab your Bibles and go to chapter 20. Let's get into what I tried to start with tonight, but you just kind of got to do a little bit of review. But we got tomorrow night, too. So tomorrow night will be a complete song service. I'll get my top 10. No, I'm just kidding. We won't do that. Here we go. Revelation 20. I felt real fear there, too. That was real. <laughs> wow. Man. All right, here we go. Revelation 20. Look at verse 1. This is what I want to get into. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and the great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil, Satan, and bound him a thousand years, cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up, set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. Then after that, he must be loose for a little season. So we see instant change, man. At the second coming, the king comes back and institutes righteousness. The wicked are taken off the earth. He, he gives the natural-bodied people, inherit this kingdom prepared for you. And oh, by the way, one angel goes and grabs the devil and puts him in a pit. Hallelujah. I've told you before many times when I preached on this, I'm going to walk by that pit. I'm going to ask the Lord for a little bit of permission to open that pit and go, how you doing, pit dweller? And I'm going to sing some songs to him. And you talk about torment, dear Lord. I might even play the violin for him. Just do a little bit of violin playing for him. <laughs> hey, pit dweller, how's this going? I can't wait to mock him, to ridicule him. You say, you think you're going to want to do that? Absolutely. I purpose in my heart at the last part of the church age to be as ornery as I possibly can to that stupid spirit that brought all this hell on the earth. <laughs> it's kind of like Brother Hagin talked about when he said out there in California, he goes, I'll just tell you right now, I'll never have the Asian flu. Remember that? And uh, the preacher standing by him said, oh, man, I wouldn't say that. And he said, why? He said, well, the devil will hear you. He goes, that's just the dude I want to hear me. Because he's not afraid of the devil. And I've said that. Gosh, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this story. But I've done that in Pittsburgh. I've told you this before. I'm in Pittsburgh preaching years ago. Gosh, maybe 35 years ago. I was preaching along. And, of course, i got to try to be like Brother Hagin. I heard Brother Hagin tell that story. It's such a good story. And so I said, well, I dare the devil to try to kill me in a car wreck. I dare him to give me cancer. I dare him to make me blind. And, boy, it gets quiet when you do that. Everybody kind of, Woo! you know, I said, I said, if that makes you nervous, you have more faith in the devil than you do God. Because I didn't say he could, I just said I dare him to. Because why? Because God said about me, surely goodness and mercy would follow me all the days of my life. Now, I didn't say he could do it, I just said I dare him to. So you know the devil's so stupid. After the service, this woman comes walking up to me, and she starts shaking. She walks up to me, doesn't even say hi. Walks up to me, starts going, blah, blah, blah. And, I, and she I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill your family. And I thought Ross Roberts had sent her money ahead to pay for her to act like she was possessed with the devil. And I thought, man, how did he get her to act so uh, wholehearted? I mean, she's putting her heart into this. Like, what do you say to a lady on the phone to go completely act like you're possessed? And she's going, blah, blah. 
excited because I'd had other pastor friend of mine call me one time from Kansas. He said, hi, Brother Joe. This is Sister So-and-So. I got so set free in your service the other night. Except for me, I'm not coming out. So I'm like, what in the world? So I'm used to people playing jokes on me. So I'm standing there, let this lady just, just read me the riot act. I'm just going, you know, knock yourself out. Get your money's worth, you know. And so she's just, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, man, you're good. <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking, how? she's really convincing, you know. And, and then all of a sudden she started cursing like a sailor, blankety, 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 blank. I'm like, wow, this lady's possessed. Wasn't Ross getting her to do this. She's, she said, did you have discerning of spirits? Didn't need discerning of spirits. Wow. Well, you know, I cast the devil out of her. I said, you shut up and you come out. I grabbed her right by the shirt right there in front of everybody. You shut up and come out of her. She fell over on the ground, flopped around like a catfish out of water. And here's a lady I've never met before, but she's so bold, she's going to walk up to me and tell me what the devil's going to do to me. How dare someone filled with Satan be bolder than somebody filled with God? Oh, come on. That's why he brought you up for the last days. Daniel saw you, prophesied about you. Isn't it wonder that heaven's already seen what you look like? He said you'd be strong. You'd know your God. You knew you'd do exploits. That's what heaven says about you. You're strong. You're not weak. You can't even try to be weak. For you to be weak, it'd be for Jesus to be weak. Because you're him. Mm. Well, let that sink in for a couple minutes. For you to be weak, it'd be like Jesus being weak. Because you're him as he is. So are we in this world. Could you imagine Jesus being nervous? Oh, gosh, this is a tough time in the earth. No, I don't think so. They tried to kill him. He walked right through the middle of them. I don't think so. Okay, millennium. Here we start. Satan bound. One angel takes him and binds him. Let's go look at nature. Go over to Isaiah. Buzz over there to, to good old Isaiah 11. Now, I know you know the verses and you've heard this, but we're going to get somewhere. So just rock with me a little bit. And we'll get through it. Isaiah chapter 11. Let's look at our future here. Isaiah 11. Look at nature in Isaiah chapter 11. How the, the moment the Prince of Peace comes, even nature's altered. So look at Isaiah 11. It's a lot of verses we'll go through for just a little bit. But Isaiah chapter 11, look at verse number 4. Page 785 if you've got a Bible like mine. But with righteousness, this is Isaiah 11 verse 4, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity the meek of the earth. And he'll smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. And he'll, with the breath of his lips he'll slay the wicked. Wow. And in righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf will dwell down with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. I've said it before many times. How weird is it going to be? You go to the park and the kid's got a lion on a leash. I mean, that may take me a little bit of time. Like, oh, here we go. There's a lion right there and that kid's leading him. I mean, so, so nature's altered. That's why the Bible talks about Lucifer enters into a man and the people take the mark of the beast. Lucifer feels no remorse, just like a beast. Notice the moment the Prince of Peace comes, even animals aren't beasts anymore. Kids are taking them to the park on leashes. Wow. So cool. Prince of peace reigning on the earth for a thousand years. Go a little further. Watch what he says. Uh, the, the calf and the bear shall feed. Verse 7. The young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The suckling child shall play on the hole of the ass. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt, hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So this thousand years is going to be an opportunity for Jesus to reign from Jerusalem with Israel to be the head of the nations and for the church to have oversight and implement the kingdom all over the earth. Just like right now we don't see angels, that's what the church will be like during the millennial reign of Christ. They'll be able to see us, but we'll be in glorified bodies uh, overseeing events on the earth. And the earth's gonna, it's going to be so cool. The movies are going to be about Peter and John going up to the gate called Beautiful. You'll see a movie about that. You'll see a movie about Elijah and Elisha. Uh, you, you, the afternoon won't be Ellen and Dr. Oz. It'll be Paul will have his own talk show in the afternoon. And think of him interviewing Pastor Mike and Joan. What was it like? Think of Paul asking them, what was it like pastoring in the last days? They'll go, man, we used your letters to strengthen the believer. And all of a sudden, angels will ring in, glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. He reigns. He reigns triumphant for Israel. So all this knowledge is going to go all over. <laughs> Jesus is going to be on Fox. Jesus is going to be on MSN. He's going to be on CNN. He's going to be on MSNBC. Every network. What's showing tonight? Jesus. 
It's just going to be so cool. But it'll be a very natural thousand years with Lucifer bound. And we see that longevity is restored. The curse is lifted off the earth. So won't it be cool? There won't be thorns and thistles and there won't be onions. Hallelujah. I always said they all came at the fall. Come on. So it'll be a very natural thousand years because the Lord's into to natural kingdom stuff. He didn't change his mind when Adam and Eve fell. It, the, his plan got interrupted, but he didn't change his mind. I mean, he, he likes that man does stuff with his hands. Man's going to rebuild the earth. I'm sure the first hundred years of the millennium is going to be a lot of rebuilding going on because of all the nuclear war. So we see great changes coming. Let's go look at, uh, look at chapter 30. Let's look at nature. Look at chapter 30 of Isaiah. Just a few pages over. If you've got your Bible there, it's good to be in your Bible. Remember, it's good to write in your Bible. Uh, dirty Bible, clean Christian. Clean Bible, dirty Christian. <laughs> look at your neighbor. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Here we go. All right, look at Isaiah 30. Look at this. This is cool. Moreover, the, verse 26 of Isaiah 30. Verse 26. Moreover, the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun shall be sevenfold as the light of seven days, and they that the Lord binds up the breach of his people and heals the stroke of their wound. Wow. So how cool is it going to be? Nighttime is going to be like our day right now. Daytime will be seven times brighter. So you see how photosynthesis works. You have an oxygen-rich environment. I like it because I've told you before, every time I've preached here on the millennium, I'm going to play golf at St. Andrews, and I'm going to be translated to Augusta and play golf. I'm going to be translated to Pebble Beach and play golf. Then I'm going to be translated to Hawaii and play golf. Then I'm come back right back around to St. Andrews because I'm going to play golf all night because I won't get tired and it won't get dark. <laughs> and the poor little mortals that are in their natural bodies, they're going to get exhausted. And I'll go, I'm not exhausted. I was a part of the church age. Woo, hallelujah. And you know what's so cool about the Lord? He's going to brag on you during that thousand years. You'll have natural-bodied people in the millennium that will whine about something. And the Lord goes, what are you whining about? My church defeated the devil while he was physically on the earth. He's bound. What do you have to complain about? Wow. Because you believed in him when you couldn't see him and learned your dominion through the foolishness of preaching. My daughter said, Dad, do you have to scream at everybody? Is it necessary? It's necessary. Why? Because he wants change in us. I, that's the bizarrest thing ever to think of screaming would bring change. The sower sows the word. And there's a certain tone about preaching, a certain tone about teaching that brings change to us. Do, do not our hearts burn within us Jesus' words? So we see nature changing. Isn't this amazing to hang with me? That, that the Lord's so amazing, he's going to have a thousand-year period without Lucifer bound. He wants man to choose to love Jesus, even without a tempter here. So the Lord's going to let man have, have a whole thousand years with no tempter and see what he does with it. And we'll see later he kind of messes up with it. So let's go look at church. You want to see church? Is it going to be church in London? Yeah, let's go look. Look at um, uh, Zechariah. Remember, go to Malachi and back up. You know where Malachi is from tithing, so go to Malachi and back up to, to Zechariah. Because this is amazing. Zechariah 14 and we'll, we'll look at church for a moment during the millennial reign of Christ. Zechariah 14, it's page 1049 if you've got a Bible like mine. Does anybody have a Bible like mine? <laughs> look at verse 16 of Zechariah 14. There's so much in this, it's just overwhelming. Zechariah 14, verse 16. It shall come to pass of everyone that's left of all the nations which came up against Jerusalem. So there are going to be people that make it through the latter part of the trip that are going to enter the millennial reign of Christ, and the Lord is going to require them to come to church. Of one that's left to come up to Jerusalem, even shall go up to the, from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. It shall be that whosoever will not go up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. If the family of Egypt go not up and come not, they'll have no rain. There will be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So with Jesus reigning from Jerusalem, with the church implementing the kingdom of God, the Lord says, hey, I want you to come to church once a year, and there will be people that aren't believers that won't go to church. Heathen. How can you not believe? What can you find wrong with Jesus? Because you're going to be doing this the whole millennium. You're going to be teaching those young people that come out of those natural people. Go, there's Jesus right there. You need to get saved. How do you reject him when you can see him? He's too bright, too big of a robe. I mean, what, what do you find wrong with the Lord? He's just too bright. He's just too kind. 
So we see him requiring them to come to church. Look how cool this is. Right now, like, it's funny, Pastor Mike and I, I watch YouTube all the time. We watched the same message last night, uh, Authority of the Believer. I like to listen to Kenneth Hagin's message, Faith versus Feelings, because your feelings will lie to you all day long. And that's why you go by the Word. But we're continually bombarding myself with the Word, continually hearing Word, 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 because the atmosphere we live in is so dark. Jesus is so filled with life, they only have to see Him once a year, and it sustains them for the entire year. Ooh, glory to God. They'll go hear Him preach, and they'll come out of there walking like, glory to God, the King has spoken. Hallelujah. So that's church. How wild is that going to be that you're implementing all this stuff while God's getting them to come back to church, and you're in a glorified body, never getting tired, never growing old, never being weary, never being weary, not one day. Hallelujah. Let's go look at some more. Grab your Bibles there. Let's look a little bit more. We can get into it. Let's look at Isaiah. And as we do that, go back to Isaiah 60. We were, I know we're going to a lot of verses, but we're going we're gonna to get there. Tonight, we're only supposed to go to midnight, and then we break for pizza, and then we'll come back in, okay? We'll do like Paul. We'll just preach all night. People are passing out. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, let's talk about this for a minute as we go to Isaiah 60, because it'll give us a little bit more of a glimpse into the millennial reign of Christ, and then we'll get closer to our function here in just a second. But right now, what do you have happening in the earth? You have uh, Lucifer has a certain amount of authority here because Adam gave it to him. And uh, we have principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, wicked spirits in heavenly places. Now, all that's doing, Lucifer is copying the rulership that God's going to have during the millennium. Because we said it the other night, if you're faithful over so much, you'll rule over two cities or rule over ten cities. Paul said, why would you take something to court when you're going to judge the world? No, you're not. You're going to rule angels. So we're going to have a sphere of influence over angels. And we'll have a sphere of influence over natural-bodied people, over a region, just like Lucifer. Demons right now don't want to leave the region. Remember when Jesus went to the bad man of Gadara? They said, don't cast us out. Let us at least go into the pigs. And the Lord cast them into the pigs and then went and killed themselves. So there's something about regional activity. I don't understand all that, but I don't have to. It's just a fact. So what's going to happen with us is, is you're going to be stationed in different places. Now this is, oh, I'll give you a little conjecture. I don't normally do conjecture, but I'm going to do conjecture, okay? Little Uncle Joe's crazy thought for a moment. I believe that we'll have a mansion in heaven, which the Bible says we will. And I believe that we'll have a second home on the earth and we'll be translated back and forth, heaven to earth, and we'll still be ruling. I think we'll be living in heaven while we're overseeing things on the earth, even though we reign with him. Just like right now, angels go back and forth and do always behold the face of my father for these kids. You know how fast uh, angels travel at? This is kind of cool. If you're in astrophysics, you'd bless, this would bless you. Pull the trigger on a gun and the bullet will go around the earth eight times. That's the speed of light before you could get your finger off the trigger. That's how you're going to be traveling in the next dispensation. I like speed. Hallelujah. <laughs> Man, that's going to be awesome. Forget this 60 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour. Why don't we go at 186,000 miles per second? Woo, hallelujah. Giddy up. Okay, so here's change. Go over to Isaiah. Go over to Isaiah 60. Look at Isaiah chapter 60. Skip down to verse 21. Thy people also shall all be righteous. This is Isaiah 60, verse 21. Thy people also shall all be righteous. They'll inherit the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, a small one, a strong nation. I am the Lord, will hasten it in my time. So we see nations are doing their natural thing. They're growing and expanding, and the knowledge of the Lord will, will go all over. So then he goes to chapter 61, gives you a little bit more insight. Verse 4, they'll build up the old waste places, and they'll raise up the former desolations, and they'll repair the waste cities and the desolations of many generations. So God's going to let man rebuild the earth during that thousand years. I used to think it'd be like Bewitched. How many of you watched Bewitched when you were a kid? My mom didn't like me to watch that, but anyway, you know, she would twinkle her nose, and the house would change. It'd be kind of cool to clean house like that, but anyway... We think that's what the Lord's going to do, but no, He's going to let man rebuild the earth. He, he likes having man have a sense of pride in what He's doing. I've said it here many times. I know what Russia's going to do the first hundred years. They're going to have a super soaker filled with Clorox, and they're going to be spraying their nation. Because you can go preach in Ukraine. I've been there many times. And you walk down the hallway, and I go, why did they let the dogs go out and use the restroom in the hallway? It's not the dogs, it's the humans. Because they don't own anything, so they don't take care of anything. And that's what the devil's trying to do to America is that same spirit. So this is what it produces, people going to the bathroom in the hallways of their apartment complexes. That's weird. Well, they're going to have a super soaker with Clorox spraying their places that they live. So this is going to be a great change. 
uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised to see a big monument to Pastor Mike. He'll have, they'll have hands that go like that. And he'll, he'll wave like he's in a parade. I'm being ordered now. Come on, I'm sorry. It'll be cool, won't it? We can give him a hard time. I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Because, see, he's just reaping some of that stuff he used to sow about, lo, I'm with you always. So here we go. All right, let's get to my main part. This is what it's taken a while to get there. He used to do that to me, and uh, uh, I said, it's okay. Look at Isaiah 65, and let's look at this. is the cool part, because I want to get into this just for a couple of minutes. Isaiah 65, look at this. This is amazing. Isaiah 65, verse 20. There shall be no more than an infant of days, nor an old man hath not fulfilled his days. For a child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner, being a hundred years old, shall be accursed. They'll build up houses, they'll inhabit them, they'll plant vineyards, they'll eat the fruit of them. He says a lot in those verses, and once you get into it, natural-bodied saints won't be subject to death like natural-bodied sinners. See, we're in glorified bodies, but you've got natural-bodied saints, they're still going to do stupid stuff just like people do stupid stuff now. I've said it many times every time I've preached on this here. Let's say there's a natural-bodied saint in a motorcycle. We used to jump on these jumps, and we'd mark the height of it with T-shirts with blood all over it, and I'd come back to my house, and my shocks would be exploded. Oil would be coming out of my grease would be coming out because I'm not supposed to go that high on my motorcycle. Thank God my mother never knew how high I was going on my motorcycle. But not once was I tempted to go, why don't I flip over? Now guys are on motorcycles, they do flips. Well, in the millennium, you'll see a guy on a motorcycle, natural-bodied saint. He'll flip on a motorcycle and land wrong, doesn't hit it just right. He breaks his neck. You've already seen it in a vision. That's a word of wisdom. And you're translated right there, and you walk up to him. He's paralyzed, dying, trying to breathe, can't breathe. He's in a natural body. How did he get that way? Because he probably said, I'm so crazy, I'll probably break my neck on my bike, and he'll have exactly what he says. But you've already seen it in a vision. You're translated there, and you go over to him and go, man, good thing you live in the millennium. Rise, take up your bed, and walk, because it's in you to raise people up. So the whole thousand years, you're tasting now of the powers of the world to come. It's irritating to have a taste. I don't want a taste of pizza. I want the whole pizza. Give me a taste of it, and that just annoys me. So what we have right now is a taste of what is to come. It's in you to function with Jesus that whole thousand years and to implement his life and his nature. I've said it before. You'll have a guy come in trying to change the light bulb in a building. He climbs up on a ladder, slips and falls and breaks his neck. You walk right through the wall just like Jesus did. Go, man, it's a good thing you live in the millennium. Rise up and walk, and he's instantly made whole. You saw it before it happened, and that's called a word of wisdom. That's why we're learning all this stuff now, because we're not done. We're going to have a complete fulfillment of walking with God. Think of being His instrument now, and then all of a sudden have, having a glorified body where there's no resistance. God will tell you to do something. You'll go, let's go do it. Let's go. Let's fly through the air and walk through the wall. Walk right up to Him. You might even do a little bit of Elvis as you stand over Him. Come on. Won't that be fun to see God's plan implemented full force, even though man still makes some fragile mistakes? You go, well, well, the devil's bound. How do people make mistakes like that? They have exactly what they say, just like you and I have what we say. But boy, God's got a whole arsenal with him right there to take care of it. I'll give you a couple. I've told you a few of these many times, but let's go through a couple of them. Then we'll, I'll close here in just a little bit. Um, how many of you have ever been to Yuma, Arizona? Have you ever been to Yuma? It's a good thing we don't, aren't in Yuma tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Years ago, I was traveling with this prophet years ago, and I was with him on the road. We're in Yuma, Arizona. The prophet had finished the meeting. I went back to the book table, and as I go back to the book table, all of a sudden I have a vision. I see the pastor of that church in a push-pull airplane. It's a twin-engine airplane where one engine is pointing this way, the other engine is pointing that way. They're in a push-pull, and they're in a dive in this vision. And I can see the pilot pulling back on the yoke, trying to pull that plane out of a dive. Papers are flying up everywhere. And in the vision, I could see what the, the, the pilot looked like. Remember in the Old Testament, Elisha said, went not my heart with you when you joined yourself to the chariot? It's like I'm in the airplane watching this pilot freak out. And the pastor of that church uh, that I just was at that night was in the plane with him. So, man, I'm kind of freaking out going, well, this is a warning. Well, um, we were going to Denny's to get a Grand Slam. So I'm excited about getting some pancakes and bacon and sausage and, and all that. That'll, that'll get you going, praise the Lord. <laughs> So I was excited about going to Denny's. So we're getting to Denny's, and I'm thinking, man, i got to say something to the pastor because I had this vision. I know exactly what it is, the word of wisdom. So we're sitting there eating our bacon and pancakes. I'm, I'm, the pastor goes, hey, I'm going flying tomorrow. I'm like, oh, my God. He goes, I'm going what's called a push-pull airplane. I'm like, I'm going to spit my food out. Just a bit of spit take. He goes, yeah, I'm going in a push-pull. 
And he's telling the story, and I'm just kind of sitting here going, oh, my God, when do I say this? Because I don't want to say to the prophet, now you just hold that. I got it, sir. <laughs> it's all over me. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. And uh, so I waited for a little bit. Man, I was getting urgent and getting kind of freaked out. So I said, hey, pastor, i got to say something to you. I said, you know what? I, before you said that, I was at the church, and I saw you in a push-pull. I'll tell you what your, your pilot looks like. I explained what his pilot looked like, gold rim glasses, bald, had a little bit of blonde hair right there. I said, I saw you pulling on the yoke of that airplane trying to come out of that dive. I said, don't be afraid. The Lord will show you what's going to happen ahead of time. There's no fear to it at all. He looked at me like, okay, you know, like, that's crazy. <laughs> he went to the airport the next day. He was going to go fly, and he checked out that pilot. The pilot had used fraud. He, had, he said he'd been checked out in a push-pull and never been checked out in a push-pull. So I flew to Tulsa. He called me. He goes, you're not going to believe this. I got me a different pilot and went and did what I needed to do. Now, see, that's tasting of the powers of the world come. That's not the powers of the world to come. That's tasting. What does it do? It gives you insight into the future, insight into someone's life, insight so they don't get killed. I'll give you another one. I was preaching. I've told you before. I was preaching in California years ago. Took Lauren with me, her senior year of high school, on the road with me a lot. We walked into this church in Southern California. As we walked in, I had a vision. I saw a man in the church look just like Robert Redford, and he had his hands around the pastor's throat upside down like that. I thought, that's kind of weird. I told Lauren, I said, man, there's a man in the church. He looks just like Rob Redford. He's got his hands around the pastor's throat, but they're upside down like he thinks he's over the pastor. And Lauren goes, that's weird. The pastor came walking in the back room. How we're kind, of, kind of have that room right there, you know? I said, hey, buddy, how you doing? I've known him for years. I said, hey, there's a guy in your church. He looks just like Robert Redford, and he's got his hands around your throat upside down like he's over you. And that pastor friend of mine said, that's exactly right. He goes, we're supposed to start another church out of our church, and that guy in our church that looks like Rob Redford, he said, I'm I'm not going to let you start that church. To the point my buddy opened his collar up and showed me the rash on his throat because he was under so much pressure because he knew he was supposed to start that church but was getting opposition from inside the church. Well, you know, we walked out of the door there and Lauren and I came walking in. I saw the guy who looks just like Robert Redford. So I got up and preached, Thus saith the Lord, he who looks like Robert Redford. No, I didn't do it. No. I preached about the plan and the purpose of God for that pastor's life. That he's a builder and a planner. Don't try to hinder that. Jump in with that, and that anointing will come on you. You'll find yourself building and planting more stuff than ever before. And see, the amazing thing is they started that other church. has grown to bigger than the mother church. So, so God's desperate to get his kingdom moved forward. So during that thousand years, you're going to be moving his kingdom forward. That was not the power of the world to come. That was tasting. Man, we want, we want a fulfillment of all this, and it's coming very soon. So don't be frustrated right at the end of the church age. Just know that we have a wonderful time walking like Jesus walked, but we got a whole thousand years of fulfillment of that to where we'll be going, man, this is, this is what our destiny was during that whole 2,000-year church age. I'll give you one more, and then I'm going I'm to close. Go to Revelation 20. Grab your Bibles there and go back to Revelation 20, and we'll close. Everybody still okay? You glad you came? I've told you the story before, but it's, it's uh, fun to tell about Colleen. And Colleen sends her greetings. She couldn't come with me. She sends, sends her greetings from Tulsa town. One year, we were living in California and uh, went back to Tulsa to go to Winter Bible. And after one of the Winter Bible services, uh, we were going to go over to a friend's bar's house to have a birthday party for my nephew. We got there, and there was a lot of cars there, and there was a circle drive. So I came up into the circle drive, and I told Colleen, my wife, and Lauren, our daughter, I said, you guys go in that door over there, and I'll come in a minute after I back out of here. And, you know, so the, the driveway's curved. Well, you know, I didn't know this, but Colleen and Lauren walked out of the deal but, uh, and saw some kinfolks in the window and stopped. I didn't see them stop. I looked back behind me, and I backed the van up, and I ran over my wife. She was standing in the front part of the van. The, the tire went up her leg like this. She started screaming bloody murder. I thought, oh, my God, I just ran over Colleen. I knew exactly what it was. That's not good. <laughs> so, uh, so she's screaming. You, well, it's a scream you don't want to hear. She's screaming. All right, I pulled the van off of her leg, got out of the van, walked over to her. I said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I command your ankle and your leg to be healed. And I said, get up. She looked at me like, are you crazy? I said, get up. I picked her up by the hands like that. The power of God went up and down her body. She goes, oh, my God, this stuff is real. I stood there and went, Walked into the party. My sister goes, how's it going, Joe? I said, I was dysfunctional like because I'm thinking I just ran over my wife. 
she, no pain. The next day, she, I left for Daytona, Florida to preach. She went back to California, no pain, jogging the neighborhood. That's, that's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. So we have all this information about dominion and power because of his kingdom, there'll be no end. And he's got these officers and these workers right now in the last days of the church age that you know who you are in Christ better than any generation ever. You've been quickened, you've been raised, you've been seated. Wow. He's presented you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. That you look at yourself and go, how is it he's so merciful that he got murdered for me and made me like him? Even though I don't feel qualified, don't feel like I can handle that, but I'm the hangnail in the body of Christ. So you could have come tonight and got saved yesterday, and you got so much glory in you that you might light your whole house. Hmm, hallelujah. Go back to Revelation 20. Here we go. Closing here, closing here, closing here. Coming in for the landing on final approach. Revelation 20, verse 7. This is bizarre right here. When the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. The number is whom the sand of the sea. Now, this is with you implementing the kingdom everywhere you go. The number that rebel at the end of the millennium is the sand of the sea. That's a lot of people. They went up on the breadth of the earth and encompassed the camp of the saints about the beloved city, Jerusalem. Fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. That's the last rebellion right there that we have a record of. So, man, so Lucifer is released at the very end. So God lets all these people that whole thousand years, he wants them to choose him. And without a, with, even without a tempter there, they, they choose darkness. So, so Satan has to gather them up. And the first thing they do, let's go kill people in Jerusalem. Look at Lucifer. What an idiot. First thing, let's go kill him in Jerusalem right now. Let's go kill him. Go kill him. Fire comes down from God out of heaven and devours them. And we know after this is what's called the great white throne judgment. And we don't have a part in that because we're born again. And then that will happen. And then the cool thing was, how many of you hate moving? Isn't moving a hassle? God's going to take a U-Haul and move heaven to earth. He's going, to take the new, he's going to take a planet, the new Jerusalem. He's going to renovate the earth and going to bring that new Jerusalem down. And the natural people for eternity will be going to the, to the uh, tree of life and eating fruit off the tree of life to live forever. And you and I will be in glorified bodies, and there will be a natural race, there will be a glorified race. And you'll be able to look at people and go, wow, you were part of the church age. We trusted in him when we couldn't see him. Wow. Mm. So we're so privileged to be living just before the entrance of the king. Man, you should go to bed tonight. Go to bed thinking about the king coming. Go to bed tonight singing about the king coming. Brother Hagin used to prophesy about new songs of the coming of the Lord just before he returns. There should be a song in your heart of victory and, and joyfulness and gladness and singleness of heart that you're about to see him. Now, I, I'm not very good at warning people who are freaking out or screaming, but I, I'd like to freak out and scream and go, Jesus is just about to come. I can't tell you the exact date, but I'm telling you, you got the, all the information showing you it's the season right now. I don't, I don't know what year it is, but I'm telling you what, every September I'm, I'm rocking and rolling. Lord, I love you. Come on. Think about what would happen if it's two years from now. It's five years from now. That's really close. Think of it's in two weeks. Wow. Well, that puts a smile on my face. I'm about to be 33. I'm about to be 33. I know this, the Lord loves you so much. He just, you feel the weight of him wanting you to, to be excited. Just like a real dad would be, okay, I'm about to, we're about to hang out. He wants us excited. I know with me, and I'm stopping right now, like with Lauren and Dave. Dave's my son-in-law. Lauren's my daughter. I have a grandson. I have a granddaughter coming this fall. I, I plot months ahead how to bless my kid. When Colleen and I got married, she goes, man, you're so weird about blessing uh, Lauren. She'd never seen that because I think ahead of time how to make her life better because I love her so much. If I think like that, think of how the Lord thinks about you. He's purposing in his heart to make your life better. So take hold of the authority that Jesus has given you. Stand up in this hour and demand and command change in the name of Jesus. Watch your household be filled with peace. Watch peace reign in your home. Watch peace reign in your soul to where almost it would be impossible to be irritated or, 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 or having the things of the earth push or have sway over your mind. <laughs> wow. Because the chastisement of our peace was upon him. 
And with his stripes we are healed. He covered everything. So if you've been tormented lately, take authority over it. If if you've had sickness lately, take authority over it. Would Jesus tolerate sickness in his body? I don't think so. So don't tolerate sickness in your own body because you're him. Let's thank him for this moment, then we'll go. Father, we thank you. Thank you for great days of change, great days of change. Lord, you're about to come take over for a thousand years. We're amazed when we see what's getting ready to happen. We bless you. We magnify you. We glorify you. Lord, thank you for your kindness and your mercy. For everyone that came on Monday night, bless them, strengthen them. We worship you and bless you and honor you. We thank you for your kindness, Lord. Hallelujah. Someone's nose is being healed. You got nosebleeds. Your nose is being healed. Hallelujah. The other thing is someone you got like a, something underneath one of your arms. I don't know if it's a nodule or a growth or a lump. Uh, you're healed. Right underneath your arm, you're healed. In Jesus' name. This other thing is, looks like lines going down the middle of your sternum. You got, you got uh, uh, some kind of trouble right there in the middle of your chest. You're healed in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for that. This other one's something very common, whiplash. It didn't have to be a car wreck. You could have fell or something. I don't know. You got damage in the back of your neck. Just move your neck around. Don't see if you're healed. See that you are healed. Thank you, Jesus. That's so kind of you, Lord. Wow, thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing that. That's so kind of you. Wow. You know, I I don't talk about it a lot because I preach so long on end times, but services I'd be in in a church have words of knowledge. Used to, I'd call them down. You know, I used to do it here. I'd call them down. Everybody come down. And uh, I'd be in a church service. I was in one a few months, a few years ago, uh, in another one in Kentucky. I'd have a word of knowledge that a man had uh, cancer in his prostate gland. I'd call it out, and nobody'd come down. I said, okay. I'd wait for a minute. I'd go, I'll show you who it is. I'd go, it's this guy right over here. He goes, that's right. Just got diagnosed. I'd say, there's someone here. You got, you got arthritis in your tailbone. Nobody'd come down. I said, okay. I'll wait a little bit. I'd go over and say, it's this lady right here. She goes, I just got diagnosed with arthritis in my tailbone. Okay, after like eight or nine people, you know, the pastor's freaking out because I don't know who these people are. Eight or nine people that the Lord had me go out and get them to deliver them a miracle. Pastor afterwards said, you, you won't believe this. Every one of those people were visitors. So God's going out of his way to reach out to them because he loves them so much. It's amazing. He just, lo- he, he just loves you. I've seen him do stuff for people that I, I knew what they were doing in the natural, and the Lord would just love on them and heal them. I'm like, Lord, have you lost your mind? I was in a service one time preaching. The Lord said adultery. There's adultery in this church. I said, well, don't tell me. I'm not doing anything about it. I'm here to bless this church. He said, adultery, adultery. I said, whatever, I'm preaching. I'm not calling that out. Because it kind of shuts the service down when you call that out, you know. So the Lord said, well, if you don't do that, you won't do the other things you're supposed to do. I thought, man, he had me right there. So I said, there's someone here. <clears throat> adultery. I kind of coughed as I said. <laughs> I said, don't want you to raise your hands. I don't want half the church going, woohoo, it's me. You know? <laughs> no, no. And so I'm thinking the Lord's going to rebuke them. And the Lord goes, I want to bless you. I want to restore your life. Wow. Well, I finished, you know, and then the Lord said, if I do that, I had some other things to do. I said, there's someone here you got damage in your nerves. This lady came walking down, and the whole church went, oh! just sucked the air. I mean, gasp, audibly gasp. I'm like, I don't know who this lady is. I know she's not the Antichrist because she's got to come from Europe. You know? <laughs> so I said, I'm going to pray for her. I prayed for her, you know, and no big deal. She's healed. The associate that came up with me, the other evangelist that was there that night, said, we want to talk to you. I'm picturing Tony Cook burning my RMI card, you know. I mean, that's what I can see Tony going, watch this, Joe. (laughs) So I'm just going, oh, my God, I called out adultery in this guy's church. How weird is this? Well, that other evangelist came up to me and the pastor came up to me. So that woman had committed adultery with another pastor in their town and had taken the pastor's 17-year-old son and committed fornication with him. Wow. Now, see, he's just good. He's merciful. Now, you go to mess with my kids, you're going to meet my buddies Smith and Wesson. (laughs) You're going to meet them. uh, (laughs) I mean, when it comes to your kids, man, there's a protection mechanism. But look at the mercy of God to love them. Show that whole church you've got to forgive that lady. He's just good. Extreme. Extremely good. Thank him one more time, then we'll go. I've kept you too long. Lord, we thank you for your kindness and your goodness. I thank you for, for uh, a renewed blood flow, for someone's uh, circulatory system, their fingers and their toes and their hands, renewed blood flow. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you for, for uh, expansion in someone's lungs that might have been damaged, the lining in their lungs. I thank you for heavenly expansion for them, Lord. And someone's damage in your uh, hip socket. 
hip socket, hip socket be healed. Uh, arthritis, you leave their socket right now in Jesus' name. I thank you for it. Thank you for it, Lord. We give you glory, give you honor, and give you praise. Someone, you hyperextended your back. I know it's a common thing, but you, uh, you did something like that, uh, messed your back up like that. Check it out. Don't see if you're healed. See that you are healed. Father, thank you for healing their back. That's so kind of you, Lord. We bless you, magnify you, and honor you. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you. Jesus, just before we dismiss, we lift you up and honor you and magnify you. You died for us. We're in awe of that. You, you let yourself be beaten for us. So we glorify you, magnify you, and honor you. We lift you up, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I know you're super, super busy and you came on Monday night. Uh, the Lord is so appreciative that you communicated to Him that you want to hear His Word. And He wants you to see you got wonderful things ahead. So let's give it our all before we go. Let's be all in. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you for coming again tonight. And while I'm doing this, you know, I'm just checking to make sure I don't miss a miracle. I've seen the greatest miracles when you shut up and, you know, you're just, so I'm just checking as we go. I had one uh, in Concord, New Hampshire. The Lord said fingernails. I called it out and about 12 people came down. I said, well, none of you are the ones I'm looking for, but uh, I'll pray for you anyway. A lady came up to me the other day in Boston. 25 years ago, I did this. She goes, you don't remember me, do you? I said, no. She goes, I didn't come down. I was too afraid to come down. I didn't have a fingernail on my, my ring finger. She said, Lord, two days later, I'm sorry I didn't go down to get my fingernail fixed. She said, I'm sorry I didn't go down. I'll take it right now. Her fingernail grew in right there. Her boyfriend asked her to marry her that night, put a ring on that finger. She's pastoring a church in Lyconia. She tells the story every time I go. I'm saying that because I walked off. And the Lord says, fingernails. I'm like, fingernails? My fingernails. He goes, not you. <laughs> thank you, thank you for coming. Have a great, wonderful night. We'll see you tomorrow night. We'll get into some more, and we'll be blessed and encouraged. Give Pastor Mike a big hand as he comes. Thanks, Pastor Mike. Th thanks for coming to church tonight. That's so sweet.